We talk a lot about pet peeves, things that drive us nuts besides each other. Right. I was just going to say, of the three of us, who drives us the most nuts? Jason, for okay, sure. For but sure. we love him anyway. We do. I you love know. you, Jason. Thank yeah. you. We just can't wait for the next sabbatical. <laughs> no, we really do talk about pet peeves quite a lot. You guys are so mean to me. Guys, I'm getting pumped about the IMTS. Me too, man. Yeah, so am I. You know who else is going to be there? Pro Shop. Yep, you got it. In the East Hall. I know they're going to be in the East Hall. I don't know the booth number, but I know they're going to be in the East. Well, I remember one of our listeners. Yeah, well, a friend of ours, friend of the show. Flew all the way in to the last IMTS. After listening to Pro Shop on making chips. And now he's a very, very happy customer and it's changing his business. Yeah, he's grown without having to add as many people as he would have without Pro Shop. And at the end of the day, it's a process-controlled ERP that gets you all the way from the estimating module all the way to invoicing. So how do you find out about ProShop? ProShopERP.com. Yeah, and you can go to IMTS 2022 and see them in the East Hall. Welcome to Making Chips. I'm your host, Nick Golner, and one of my pet peeves is when it takes too long to start the show. Let's cue the music and get right into it. If the sound of a machine tool removing metal gets your blood pumping, then you are Metal Working Nation. This is Making Chips, where we talk all things metalworking, engineering and design, production and tooling combined with business best practices, technology, marketing, news, and new media for manufacturing professionals. Here are your hosts. Let's make some chips. Fellas. Hey, Nick. It's been a few pina coladas and a few power hours since we last got together. We got a lot done today. Yeah, we did just have a meeting, a very productive meeting about this business that we run, this media business. Yeah, as the Metalworking Nation probably realizes, we do have sponsors of the show and we thank them for that. They help us to keep this little endeavor going and... Not so little anymore. Not but... so little anymore, but we were just talking about new sponsors and what we're going to be doing at IMTS. And if you do are interested in talking to us about that, just email info at makingchips.com. Thank you. And Nick will answer your email. <laughs> Maybe. Well, we know Jason won't. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So speaking of new additions, we have an additional Golner. My brother's wedding last week was why I was out of town. It was an absolute blast. Nobody asked you while you were out of town. Well, I just oh, decided okay. to tell everyone why I was out of town. It was an absolute blast. Uh, That's great, Nick. I know you shared that with the Metalworking Nation on the last episode we did. I could tell and I could sense in your voice that you were really honestly looking forward to it. And I'm really glad it worked out well. And congratulations to Alex and his new wife. And I wish them the best of luck. Absolutely. Yeah, did you give him any good advice? I did. I was kind of a weepy little wimp during That's my okay. best man speech. It's okay to be like that. You should be. I was a little emotional. Shows maturity. Weeping shows maturity because you're yeah. like in tuned with your yourself. Yourself. Yeah. I did yeah. not feel very masculine, but everyone said it was a great speech. So there you go. But advice. Okay. So for anyone who has children or things that make it very hard for them to spend time with their spouse, the best ad idea ever is bring a nanny. Bring a nanny. We brought a nanny. My aunt came to watch our kids and be part of the trip in that way. And man, it was awesome. I was able to enjoy my kids when I needed to and then get rid of them when I needed to, too. And so very good advice for anyone who's trying to get away. Is this podcast about vacation advice? No. Okay. That's where I'm at. I'm As you can tell by my flowery Hawaiian looking yeah. shirt, that's where I'm at right now. It's always nice to be refreshed from a vacation. And as I've talked about on the show, I think it's necessary to take a break. You know Absolutely. what I mean? I think it refreshes your brain. It makes you sharper in the long run. 
and it makes you a better manufacturing leader in the long run. Not if you drink a bottle of wine every night well, when you're on vacation. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Depends on how you spend the time off. Yes. <laughs> this is true. No, but even doing that, I think it gives you new ideas. You need to have those breaks. Yeah. That's what I'm yeah. trying to say. Absolutely. So when I was on break, your businesses were operating and you were operating them. So positive kickoff. Give me something good. It's a good year for everybody. Everyone's now, we, we hit our quarterly sales goals. It looks like we're going to hit our Q2 sales goal, which is pretty lofty, I got to admit, but it's getting a little stressful on old Jim here. <laughs> Jim, <laughs> wait, is that what we should call you now? Old Jim? Old Jim. No, I can call myself that, but you can't call okay, me that's that. Fine. Got it? Yeah. Like Ole Miss. I always make a joke to John. I said, my God, my fingers are bleeding because I'm quoting so much. Yeah. But it's all good. I mean, at the end of the day, I love it. It keeps me young. It keeps me, my head moving. And I love business and I love to work hard. So that's what last week was all about. Excellent. What about you, man? Well, I shared this with you guys earlier, but it was just so refreshing that there's a new prospect that we have and they've gone through tooling integrators every couple of years. And finally, they were like, you know, we're just not happy with everybody that we've had over the last couple of years. And they asked one of their trusted manufacturers that they deal with. And they're like, what do we do? Who's your best tooling distributor? And they're like, you got to call Zengers. Oh, great. So it was just nice for somebody to say, these guys are the best. And I feel like you, Jim, you work really hard yep. at like building a reputation for your company. And then when somebody actually acknowledges, acknowledges that. and says, they're the best, they're the best yep. in Chicago or the best in whatever area, it's just nice that you've worked so hard for that, for somebody to acknowledge that. Did you take that stakeholder out to dinner and get him drunk? We haven't quite gotten there yet, okay. but we have a meeting that we're trying to schedule up for next week. So... No, I don't know why you would ask me that, but okay. that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so we always start with some manufacturing news and I pick something out from yeah, kind of pick, man? unusual source. Oh no. I just read the notes. It's for you, man. It is. Thank you. Because I know you have a recession obsession. Yes. So. But honestly, before you get to it, I don't know what you're going to talk about, but yeah. it seems like that's really the buzz lately. Oh yeah. Hey, do you like my new haircut? No. You don't like it? Well, I did until Jim's wife said that you and I have the same haircut. And now <laughs> now I hate it. <laughs> no, you don't like it? Because I'm trying to grow my hair longer. I'm actually hoping by IMTS that I'm going to have shoulder length hair. Please no, do that. You know what she always tells me? She always says, let it grow long because you got something to work with. That's what I'm trying to do. You yeah. can't add hair, but you can remove it. And please yeah. have shoulder length hair for the IMTS because I need That's the, the laugh. I need the laugh. You should have like a Your, nice beard going a shoulder through. length hair by IMTS. Yeah. Yeah. That ain't going to happen, please my Please look like one of the Beatles. Yes. You're so not, you guys want to hear this news? It might get this long, but it's not going to... We have to feed the recession obsession here. Okay, feed it. Let's do it. So one of my buddies works for an investment group. He's a financial advisor, and I get his newsletter in my inbox. So instead of us searching for news this time, it came to me. Cool. And the title... I'm very interested to hear about this. So the title, Recession Unlikely in 2022 from Stiefel Investment Group. That's a good grab. I would read that if that came into my inbox. The consensus among economists puts the odds of a recession starting sometime in the next year at 30%, according to Bloomberg's most recent survey. No wonder the S&P 500 is in deep correction territory and flirting with an official bear market. So why are they saying 30% then? That's really surprising because 
everybody seems to be talking about a recession. So here we go. Not just Jim anymore. We think the near-term pessimism is overdone. Yes, Mm. a recession is likely on the way, but it probably has about two or more years before it arrives, which means corporate earnings have plenty of room to exceed expectations in the year ahead and for equities to rebound before year end. There's still a lot of cash out on the table, and there's still a lot of people. I mean, I'm getting emails all the time. We want to buy your company. Yada, yada, yada. I'm sure you guys get those too. I get it. At least one a day. So it gives five reasons. Plenty of reasons suggest we are not about to have a recession that starts in 2022 or early 2023. First, the most probable cause of the next recession is the tighter monetary policy needed to wrestle inflation under control. But so far, monetary policy isn't tight. The Federal Reserve has raised short-term interest rates by less than one percentage point, and although it's been announced, quantitative tightening has yet to start. Yes, the growth in the M2 measure of the money supply has slowed recently, but the time lag between tighter money and slower economic growth should be at least 12 months. That's reason one. You don't even know what quantitative tightening means. It's the opposite of quantitative easing. And I don't know what either of those things mean. So explain it to me. Okay. My dad talks about it a lot. No, I'm not an economist, but quantitative tightening would be putting less money out into the marketplace. They talk about flooding the market with printing more money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, that's exactly what I thought it was. So I'm not as quite as dumb. Second, tax rates haven't gone up and are increasingly unlikely to do so anytime soon. The gradual demise of the president's Build Back Better agenda means tax rates remain at the lowered levels set by the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, which was enacted in 2018. Mm -hmm. The third reason, although businesses are replenishing inventories at a rapid pace, a pace that will eventually slow and then reduce the real GDP growth rate, The level of inventories at manufacturers, retailers, and wholesalers are still very low relative to sales, which means plenty of room for businesses to keep restocking shelves and showrooms in the months ahead. Fourth reason, although higher mortgage rates will almost certainly be a headwind for home sales in the months ahead, home builders have underbuilt housing in the past decade, and so total home construction should not falter significantly. Fewer home sales, yes, but rental units have to be built too. And then the fifth reason, and this is the one I think that resonates the most with our industry, the metalworking nation. There were 11.5 million job openings as of March compared to 7 million immediately prior to COVID. Demand for workers remains robust. Well, this yeah. makes me feel a little bit better. Thank yeah. you for brightening my afternoon. Yay. That's what I'm here to Were do. you really thinking that it was going to get bad, bad? And this is only an opinion. No one has the crystal ball, right? Exactly. Nobody has a crystal ball. Nobody knows. And I wasn't as overly concerned about manufacturing because I really feel like manufacturing is still having a renaissance. And even though the rest of the economy could go into recession, we could still maybe grow slower, but have still a more stable economy than the rest of like the, relative the to everything relative else. To everything yeah. else. Yeah. But this does make me feel a little bit better. And this is not about manufacturing in particular. I know. But I think I tend to agree. Compared to every other industry, I think we're in a better spot. Yeah. Well, we didn't really get hit too hard in 2020 in the COVID recession. No, we didn't. Some people did very well. If you were in oil and gas, you did. What? If did you get in- hit. Oh, yes. Got, got hit. hit. Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah. no one was driving. Yeah. And there was a time when aerospace really took a significant hit. No, aviation did. I'm sorry. Aviation. You're yes, right, aerospace sorry. did not. Yeah. So there was a time when aviation took a really big hit. Yes, it did. But I always look at the real estate and mortgage rates because that is like the general public knows and can understand that. But they said that mortgage rates are up the most they've been in the last 20 years or something. They're like 6% something for uh, the interest rate? No, it's not quite. It's actually ticked down 
I heard 17, what do they say? Blips or ticks or whatever. I don't know. What do they say? You know, I don't know. Talks, ticks or talks. Yeah, something. I remember (laughs) when I bought my very first home, which was a condo. What year? I remember, God bless my parents, they set aside a bunch of money for college and they told me that if you graduate early, you can have whatever money's left over for a down payment on a place. And so I graduated college in three and a half years and had money to buy a condo. And so I remember at the time... Were you cum laude? No, I was in the engineering school, remember? Okay. And so I was barely hanging on for dear life, competing (laughs) against the people. But you graduated early. But I graduated early. Yeah. Anyway... I remember locking. So what year? You asked me a question. What year it was? What year did you buy your first condo? Somewhere between 1998 and 2000. Okay. And I remember it was like six and three quarters. And I remember that was a really good rate. And I was very happy with it. Can I tell you mine? Yeah. 1985. Yeah. It was high, really high, right? My first condo. I got really lucky. And I found a bank that gave me 11.9% on a five-year balloon. You know what a balloon mortgage is? Oh, yeah. It's At the end of five and, yeah. years, it's dead. Yeah. It's amortized over 30 years, but it's only for five years as the lock-in period. Right. At the wow. end of five years, you got to find something else. I just baby. told you guys what I locked in my 15-year mortgage. Yeah, you did well. Two and three quarters. Yeah. Percent. So, I mean, we've been very, I don't know what the word is, just it's not real. It shouldn't. It's probably not going to be real for a yeah. long time. So. It's like when I was just recently looking at the price of oil because I needed to see how to measure up auto expenses and stuff like that. And it's like, oh gosh, this is crazy. So here's the irony. So I talk about the pet peeves at the beginning of the show when it takes too long to get into the content. And then we talk about mortgages and interest rates. That's and okay. stuff. This is all very relevant. But I have something else. Can I add one more quick thing? Sure. So I'm trying to bring a guest on the show who can talk about the whole notion of when globalization started and the history of that, and also what the future looks like. The flattening of the world. No, well, a lot of people are predicting that the world is going to become a lot more regional. And we've talked about that on Making Chips. I've talked about nearshoring and the fact that you're going to have these global areas of manufacturing. Certain things will be manufactured in Mexico, United States, and Canada for the North American market. And then you go on so on, so on the line. Is that what regionalization means to you? Re- the regionalization. Yeah. That okay. nearshoring regionalization. And I'm going to bring somebody on that's going to take us, hopefully, take us through the history of when the globalization started, mm. where we got to, say, 10 years ago, and then where the future is going to. Yeah. Because that book, The World is Flat, I can't remember the author, but that was a great book. Everyone in my family read it. And now I think it's unflattening to some degree. Yeah. And I agree with what you're saying. There's going to be regional or I guess continental would be a better way to say it. Continental hubs for certain things. But people are becoming more nationalized. Yeah. Especially with everything that happened with politically uh, and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. 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 Right on. Cool. So let's dig in. Let's dig we in. We talk a lot about pet peeves, things that drive us nuts besides each other. Right. I was just going to say, who of the three of us, who drives us the most nuts? Jason, for, okay, sure. for sure. But we love him anyway. We do. I love you, Jason. Thank you. We just can't wait for the next sabbatical. (laughs) No, we really do talk about pet peeves quite a lot. You guys are so mean to me. But to your point, Jason, are we just going to be complaining the whole time? No, no. Because when someone came... I don't care if you guys like me, as long as the metalworking nation loves me. That's all I care about. And Amanda, it'd be pretty cool if she liked you too. Yeah, that's for sure. But to your point, Jason, 
my dad always says, so what's your remedy? When people come in and say, you know, we're really not doing a great job in this area of the company, he says, Is that one of your dad's metaphors? Yeah, what's your remedy? Well, a lot of people say, well, what's the solution? Yeah. Or don't bring a problem unless you have a solution. Yeah, that's it. And there's a book called The Remedy that he was reading at the time when a lot of people were bringing him problems like, hey, you're in charge of the company, solve it. And he's like, you brought me the problem. It's your life. It's your world that you're feeling the problem. Bring it to me with what you think we should do about it. You know what? I'm going to give that, pass that book out to my Yeah, it's called The Remedy. It's really good. Is it a short read? It didn't look too thick, yeah. So guys, one of the themes of this IMTS is digital technology implemented. What does that mean? I got this. Last IMTS was four years ago, if you could believe that. And four years ago, you went out to IMTS and you saw a lot of technology that was really conceptual. Mm -hmm. But this year... With digital technology implemented, if you have an objective from a digital technology standpoint, you go to IMTS, you find out who you're going to partner with, and they're ready to implement it on the shop floor right away. It's like turnkey. So it's totally in reach. It's like in a box. It's within reach. It's ready to go. Great. Well, it was a thought four years ago. Now it's actually an entity that's moving, breathing, and it's already been implemented. Yeah. It's like you're ready to go to the store and buy a box and install it on the shop floor. So what do we got to do to get ready for this? So go to imts.com, register, and sign up. And download the app. There's also this whole analogy where every time somebody comes into your office with a problem, it's like they have this monkey on their back and they're taking that monkey and they're saying, here's my monkey. And then the next person comes in, takes the monkey off their back. They say, here's my monkey. And then all of a sudden you as the entrepreneur, you've got 10 monkeys on your back. Right. Right. And so this goes in with the delegate and elevate for EOS and everything like that. But in the spirit of finding solutions to the things that drive us nuts, and this episode is about the sales and marketing pet peeves that we all have. Right. There's a lot of Instead those. Instead of just whining and complaining about the things that drive us crazy, we're going to offer an alternative. When someone's driving you nuts because they're doing something annoying from a sales and marketing perspective, what should they be doing to accomplish the same goal that might actually work? And I want to hear from you guys too. Um, maybe we can brainstorm the remedy for each of you, but sure. I have th- three to start with. So I call them the yuck and the yay. So here's what's yucky. When... A prospect uses like my lead form submission on my site to sell me their oh, product. Oh, you're kidding. I hate it. Oh, no. Does that happen often? All the time. You're kidding We me. have many different business units at AME and Hennig, whether it's machine protection or conveyors and filtration or work holding or whatever it might be. Each one of those sections of my website has like a RFQ or reach out to us, let us know your challenge, and it hits all the people. On the oh, inside, they add that email address to their own. No, it's not an email. It's like a form, like a web form. Mm. So someone could say, "Hey, I need help designing a fixture for this," or "I need oh, help." Oh, and they fill it out trying to sell you something. And they say, "Like, hey, we're a global uh, leader in X, Y, Z. We'd love to sell you catalogs. Yes, whatever the hell it is. That would be a big pet peeve. It's for like, me. don't you understand I don't the get purpose? That, that much. Yes. The purpose yes. of my lead form is for my leads, not you to generate your own leads. And it's never who work. does that. It's so like repulsive. Well, it's spam. Yeah, maybe we would like actually need what they're selling, but the fact that they used our oh. lead gen channel to sell to us oh. is just... But the, here's the problem. Ugh. You know the reason why they do that, right? Because they have no other way to get in. No, because it works. I don't know. It might not work every time. I feel it like it works attention. one out of a million times. Well, there's a percentage. Maybe. Jason's been using that strategy. I, <laughs> I definitely don't do that. I'm really careful. I don't add people. There's so many companies that 
one interaction with them and they'll add your email to their newsletter. I know. And I, I don't that. do that at all. Absolutely. I don't want people on my list that don't want to read. And my it's emails. not even a newsletter. It's like the RFQ form. I understand. It's just horrible. So here's what I think you should do instead. Things that would actually work. So clearly, person who does this, you're on my website and you're looking at what we do. And for some reason, you felt like we could be a partner. Well, together. you're a good prospect for them. Yeah. Right? So why am I a good prospect for you? Where do you think you can add value? If you really took the time to look at my website and you know your own business and you see something that could be of benefit to me, mm -hmm. research, reference some of the content on my website, reference some of the things that we do, figure out who a real person is, not just the generic web form. Give some context to that actual person and say, hey, I noticed that you do this and we do something that's very closely related to that and we think we could help you. And here's an email, not your web form, but here's an email to that person saying, I noticed that you've done custom fixturing or conveyor infiltration solutions or whatever it might be. And our product is a really great fit for that because we can help your customers solve this problem that you're also helping them solve. And I'd love to talk to you. If I got an email like that, and if they actually did some good research and there was a way that they could help me, like they're likely to get a callback or a response, even if the response is just to say like, hey, we already have that solved or whatever. But so instead of sending you some BS, oh, you should look at me, I'm great, I'm this. In my lead capture Yeah, form, I know, I know. Like, ugh. So you're saying get the information from your website, find a real person that you can get into through, not through that way, and then really make it about how can we partner. Right. The key is not through that way. Don't use that way. Yeah. Okay. How do they get in? Find an email address. Okay. It's not too hard to find email not addresses anymore. now. Not anymore. It's super easy. There's Zoom info and things yep. like that. Or There's tons. reach out. There's I don't care how they get in. That's their sales problem. Right. But just find a way. We have our own problems, right? Right. Exactly. Yes. So that's one, okay? Any thoughts on that? Does that happen to you? Do you have lead capture forms, Jason? Does that problem happen to you guys? I cannot remember the last time somebody has tried to sell us through our lead. I get, I'm not even exaggerating, like four or five a week. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, there. we get, got like a kind of a well-trafficked website, but it's a lot. Yeah. Does that happen to you, dude? Very rarely. If it did, would it drive you crazy? <laughs> Would you be the one to intercept that? I think it's inappropriate. Yeah, I'm not the one that intercept it, but yeah, it's definitely inappropriate. I want to see all of them. I get enough of like the ones that are on LinkedIn that are very similar to that. Where that, it's, that's well, that's one. next. Yeah, actually, that's my third one. The second one is when someone drops in for a cold call, and I expect this to happen. Like I expect my sales guys to just pop into a shop and actually old school 1982 yeah. cold call. Hell yeah, man! That doesn't happen at my company. Yeah, but let's say it did. Right. Well, yeah. Okay. Jim, you know, if somebody cold calls you and shows up the door, you just leave them there. You want to know what just happened? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Tell like us the story. 20 yeah. minutes ago. Yeah. Go ahead. I got a text that there was a gentleman from a packaging company mm -hmm. here to see me. Okay. And you know how the registration works at car. You walk into our lobby, you go to the iPad. Right. With the ITAR and all we that. We do not see people without an appointment. Right. Fill out the iPad. And the person that you have the appointment with will meet you in the lobby and escort right. you in for an interview. Right. I just got a, it sends a text and it sends an email and it said that somebody from this packaging company was here to see me. Yeah. I don't have an appointment. Yeah. So you just blew them off. What am I supposed to do? I think you should blow them off. I'm not in the office. They're not worth you 
taking the time I, that you would be doing something important and telling them. I appreciate them to- that they're trying to do that. And if I had been in the office and had intercepted that text and email, I may have gone up, to, may have gone up to him and said, listen, did you read this? We only see people. And it makes them look like a jerk for trying to cold call me. But let's face it, cold calls are D-E-A-D. <laughs> right. they, they're dead. You just can't do that so anymore. So you got to warm up the call. Not in a sophisticated, high-tech company anymore. Not in an interruptive way. So if you're interrupting with a cold call, yes. it's irritating. So here's what I think you should do instead. So first off, the key to the yuck of what you just said is the no appointment part. Right. And what happens to me is they'll come in and they'll like cozy up to the receptionist or whatever. And then they'll call me down like, oh, I'm here to see Nick. And then the receptionist doesn't know any better sometimes. And so she'll be like, hey, someone's in the lobby for you. And I'm freaking out thinking, man, did I not manage right. my calendar? Like, yes. Oh. yes. And I'll go down there and it'll be like, hi, I'm this guy, you know, and I want to sell you catalogs or pens or whatever it is. And I'm just like, I was in the middle of something and now I'm not in the middle of it. And, Dude, and you're like, that's bad. Instead of being like someone I might want to do business with, you're someone I want to like literally like throw out of my company, you know, and literally. <laughs> so it's bad. So what is your impression of that? I mean, are you going to give that guy business or? No, no. Because there's a lot of people in sales that listen to our show that need to know that cold calling was a strategy years ago, right? Yeah. So here's the key. Do not pull somebody out of their current situation, their meeting, their office. But how do they know if they're cold calling you or not? Well, they're cold calling if they don't have an appointment. Right. It's totally cold. And I'm not saying like, I would even tell my own guys, it's okay to pop in, but don't pop in, talk to the receptionist, say, hey, can I pull Jason out of his office? And they imply they have an appointment with this guy. That's not nice. That's actually really interruptive and disruptive. Even if the receptionist is like, oh, I can go get him for you. Be cautious with that. So if I was the sales guy doing a cold call and she's like, oh, I'll go grab Jim, I would say, well, what is he doing? No, I just want to be clear. I don't have an appointment, so you don't need to grab him unless he wants to talk to me. But I just wanted to leave some information. Here's who I am. Here's how he can contact me. And also, I sent an email ahead of time to you guys letting you know I would be here. So I'm just meeting that commitment. I did stop in. I think there's some ways that I could help you. Please give this to Jim Yes, at his convenience. Okay. That's fair. That doesn't bother you, right? That's a respectful cold call. It shows respect. Exactly. So number three, the third yuck. How many yucks do we have on this list? I have three and you guys might have some to add, but here's the third one. When you connect with somebody on LinkedIn or social media, right? Oh my God. I know exactly what you're going to say. At first glance, you look at their profile. They look at yours. They reach out, connection invite. You say yes. I have a lot of connections. Cool. I have a lot of connections too. Yep. Is my connection list bigger than yours? I don't know. Okay. uh, We'll compare later. Thousands. Millions, you know. My connection list smells of leather-bound books and rich mahogany. (laughs) (laughs) So they come in, they reach out, and then they shoot you a connection. You accept. Okay, cool. They're in the industry. And then, boom, 20, 30 seconds later, this pre-written, scripted, inauthentic sales Oh, God. I get them all the time. Bad. I actually count. Once I click accept, I go one, (laughs) two, three. They're sliding in your DMs. Three, four. I count. And it's literally like 30 seconds and the little notification comes up that you have a DM. Well, the Metalworking Nation might not, some people may not know, but there's a lot of LinkedIn automation tools that allows you to send a message that looks like it could be personalized, but is really not. And it well, they're typically too long. It gets past like the LinkedIn guidelines for you there's know, a the hundred times. Yeah, exactly. And you get it. Exactly. You get it every single time you friend somebody or 
connect with somebody. Yeah. And then you get it periodically after that. You just know that it's not authentic. And I think there are ways to use those tools to your advantage in a way that's not gross and yuck. Right. I know you send them. Yeah, I've done it before. Not not Ooh. right now. I have. Yeah, Nick You're is one good. of those. Nick is gross. But mine's yeah. like he's dirty. He's two gross. sentences. Yeah. Here's what we do. Glad to connect. I take a lot of time to make sure the list I'm sending it to is actually people I should know. Well, you know why Nick is gross because, again, it works. <laughs> But it's not, they connect with me and I send them a pitch. It's just more like, hey, here's why I think we should be connected. And here's what I do. I'd like to know what you do. Yeah. It's not a pitch. Right. Understood. And then if they connect back, honestly, some really great relationships have started that way. I just don't do it with zero automation because it would take up my whole day and I'm a busy guy. Yeah. I did not know that you could use automation to send those. Yeah. I can show you guys sometime, but it's not a greasy way to do it if you do it right. Okay. Fair. I just gave an example of cold calling. It doesn't have to be so annoying and interruptive. It doesn't. I think all of us that are on LinkedIn and are active on LinkedIn have had those situations where we say yes, except, yeah, they kind of, yeah, they're in Charlotte, North Carolina. They kind of, they're in the industry. I'll connect with them. Boom. And then you say yes. And there's that. DM, it's right? like five it's, paragraphs long. And yes, you're Nick right. Nick is trying to With, take like an inauthentic dating app scenario and then trying to bring some authenticity by asking that person out on a date. Mm-hmm. It might start off inauthentic, but then it becomes authentic. But I don't even ask them out on a date. It's more like just introducing yourself and saying hi and l- wanting to learn more about them, you know, but it's spam. Let's face it. Sure. Sure. Okay. So here's what to do on LinkedIn instead of that. Just engage with the stuff they're actually posting. Yes. So Jim, uh, Julie Poulos used to call it love linking. Remember our friend Julie Poulos? Love link. The love linking. You make legitimate comments yeah. on what people are posting. And you know what? It needs to be more than great explanation, Mark. Oh, yeah. you're awesome, smiley face. What it, vacuous commenting. Well, are you It empty. needs to be more well, than Do you va- see a lot of that, Jim? Yes. Are and, you and kidding who, me? Like from who? Oh, I don't know. Other people, because I do read comments and you know what? People do read those comments. So be very careful when you do when a you, comment. When you're inauthentic or vacuous. Yes. If you're vacuous, it's obvious. That's one of your favorite words. No, that was Jason Zenger's word. Well, it's a plethora of... As, as, that's as my would, word. That is definitely... a plethora, as Jim would say, of yes. vacuous comments on yes. LinkedIn. So here's what to do instead, right? So... You're posting about your new expansion, your new building, or... I am. I have been. You've been seeing those, haven't you? One of the things you've been posting about is your new automation cell with RoboJob. Sure. So I make fixturing that's for automation, for robotic machine tending. You do. Where the vice clamps and unclamps. Yep. So it's like, I could reach out, comment about, hey, I've noticed you added yes. this. If you need any yes. support with this, this works really well with what you've got uh, actually going on. Yeah, okay. Uh, well, I could have made it. You you came out with a video, and I was actually thinking about it. During your video, and I was going to give you a thank you, your guys were wearing their new Zengers hats. They were. And so I was going to say, nice hat from your favorite tooling supplier. Yes. I want to talk to you offline about the logo, though. Okay. But the point is, is that you can make legitimate, authentic comments yes, absolutely. on people and it doesn't come off as spammy. Like no, it, it doesn't. Absolutely. And obviously we know each other. So when you needed help, I connected you to the right people just personally. But if we didn't know each other and we built a connection knowing that you're implementing machine tending and I'm pretty likely to understand what challenges you might be facing connected to machine tending and work holding. Just say, hey, I can help you with this if you need it. If you don't, whatever. I just want to say congrats. This is what most shops should be doing. Something like that. Not going to irritate you. Not going to make you puke. I think we need to do a show on LinkedIn. Sometimes people do interject into comments 
in a way that you know they're only concerned about themselves and it does come off as inauthentic. Right. And we could talk about that later. 100%. That's the key in all of this is authenticity. Do unto others as you would have done to yourself, right? So totally guys yeah i mean like i can make a comment and be like hey jim some people do that i see you have machine tools there i sell cutting tools that's great you should talk to me about I it i see that cutting tool in that machine i sold that to you yeah exactly and that would just you know it'd be like eh, a little yucky. tag zanger yeah tag is sales Hashtag yeah i mean yeah. it's just icky you know what i mean like, so you don't do that kind of stuff like that because let's face it people are going to find you no matter what they're going to know what you do no matter what right, right. so anything to add any yucks that you guys want to add on linkedin just anything any sales and marketing practice we should do a podcast on this linkedin thing because i don't know i just it's, it's starting to get a little yucky well it is but it isn't and I just had a thought, and I don't want to talk about it now. There's people who do it right, and there's people who are yuck. Yes. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, or if you enjoyed any other episodes, we would appreciate if you share it with the people that you know. And if you know someone who uses these kind of tactics, and you're like, hey, buddy, you could do this a better way, sure. send them this episode. It's a nice way of correcting them without correcting them. Just say, hey, I like these making chips guides. You should check out this episode. Here's some actual dudes from the industry that receive these messages. Here's what they Are think. Are we really from the industry? Oh, yeah. We're really authentic. That's the whole secret sauce to making chips. We actually run manufacturing companies. Yes. Hey, Jason. You down with CYC? Yeah, you know me. That's right. Do you know what I'm talking about, though? I do, actually. We're talking about thomasnet.com, where you can connect with 1.4 million industrial buyers who use thomasnet.com every day to source new suppliers. Yeah, CYC means claim your company. And what happens when you claim your company, Nick? So you remember the Thomas Register? I do. Okay, I remember so, the Thomas book, that big, big book. Exactly. So ThomasNet is the digital version of that. You're probably already listed. So I'm on there right now. So okay. you go to thomasnet.com slash claim, and you just enter in your company name. And it's going to get more buyers to in front of me, right? Well, what you're going to do is you're going to update your company record and make sure that everything is accurate so that you get into the ThomasNet listing. Beautiful. So go to thomasnet.com slash claim to get started. I do want to say, too, that I know I am one for sure, but I'm sure you guys are equally as excited to be at IMTS in September yes. and be on stage, right? We're going to be there. We'll let you all know. We'll post yeah, on we'll our follow us. three times, I believe, right? Well, that has not been verified yet. If you follow us on social media, we'll be surely let you know the days and times and locations of where we're going to be. And we'll talk about it on the show. Yeah. And we certainly would love to meet you all and drop by, say hello, tell us what you like or don't like about the show. Yeah, yeah. we'll have some free swag to give away. Yeah. Some making chips t shirts or Tell hats. us that if you like Jason's new haircut or not. It's but, not my haircut, by the no, way. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's gonna be long. Yeah. <laughs> the shoulder length hair. Like I'm a California surfer. We really want to engage with you because we truly are manufacturing people that we're just here to share the relationship of running, owning leading in it, manufacturing companies. We feel your pains. We feel your successes. And we want to talk to you and engage with We're you. Trying so. We're trying, We're to, trying to help. We're trying to equip and inspire. And that's what this episode is about. It's, hey, these things drive us crazy. And here's an alternative. We didn't just say they drove us crazy. We said, here's what you should do instead. Because if you're not making chips, you're not making money. Bam. Bam. Thanks for listening to the Making Chips Podcast. Jim and Jason knew that the metalworking nation, the community of world-class makers, needed to commit to a new way of leading to stay ahead of the competition. So, Making Chips was created to fill that void. 
to give you advice from other manufacturing leaders who can push you to take action. Your manufacturing challenges have a solution, and many of them are at makingchips.com.